from finance and commerce. This is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this week's episode, as Mortensen's Director of Real Estate Development and Healthcare, Chantilly Melabago has her finger on the pulse of the latest trends in healthcare design and construction. Drawing in part from a new report from Mortensen, Melabago says the pandemic has informed healthcare design in a number of ways. Among those is a need for more flexible spaces for distancing and touchless designs and quality respite areas for care providers. Mortensen said it conducted the report to better understand how COVID-19 has affected healthcare providers. Released in December, the report is based on a survey of professionals at the 2021 American Society for Healthcare Engineering's Planning and Design Conference. Among the biggest takeaways, 8 of 10 respondents said their facility investments in the next 12 to 18 months will be at or above pre-pandemic levels, according to the report. In the following interview with Finance and Commerce reporter Brian Johnson, Malabago talks at length about the report and the future of healthcare design and construction. Okay, uh, well, we're pleased to be joined by Chantilly Malabago. Um, Chantilly is a director of real estate development in healthcare for Mortensen. And uh, how are you doing today, Chantilly? Brian, I am doing well, and it's a pleasure um, joining you today. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, thank you as well. And we want to talk a little bit about a report that was recently released by Mortensen regarding uh, the the pandemic and its impact on healthcare environments and sort of how it informs uh, decision making when it comes to um, existing healthcare facilities and and new facilities as well. I assume um, I believe the report was released in December, so it's pretty pretty timely. Um, can you? Just talk a little bit, I guess, first of all, about um, your reason for doing this report and, and kind of how you uh, put it together. Sure. Um, you know, so as, as you're, you're familiar with, um, Brian, Mortensen is one of the leading healthcare contractors and developers in the U.S. And we regularly speak with our healthcare providers and other leaders about what's happening in the industry. And so to be able to best serve our customers, it's critically important for us to understand the challenges our healthcare partners and customers are facing so that we could face you know, these headwinds and these opportunities together. And our last industry report was done in 2019, pre-pandemic. And so 
we wanted to get a current read on some of these challenges and opportunities that are facing the industry. Okay. Well, it's a great topic and very timely, of course. And, um, you know, we're certainly not out of this pandemic yet with all the different variants that you hear about. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> what's so after Omicron? <laughs> exactly right. So, um, we're definitely not out of the woods. So, it's very timely. Um, you know, one of the things that jumped out to me was uh, eight of 10 respondents said their facility investments in the next 10 to 12 months will be at or above pre-pandemic levels. Can you expand on that a little bit and uh, what sorts of uh, investments are they uh, talking about? Sure. So we, we did see a pause by healthcare providers over the past couple of years um, in dealing with the pandemic. And of course, many are now indicating uh, further investments will resume. Now, during this, this pause, we saw a number of healthcare customers quickly you know, reallocate and reprioritize capital investments that would immediately aid in addressing their pandemic response. Um, so this might have been you know, reserving cash and capital uh, for PPE, cash and capital for labor, et cetera, as well as pivoting capital to expand their telehealth infrastructure. And in, in many cases, doubling down on artificial intelligence, uh, predictive analytics or other technologies to better forecast care demand so that they could better resource for staffing, supplies, and even financial forecasting. And so this, of course, when you have a limited pool of capital to draw from amidst a, pand a pandemic where financial pressures are, are looming, um, you know, this, this, of course, means a, you know, prioritization and discipline approach to that capital investment. Now, since then, what we're hearing from our customers is that the lessons learned over the past few years are going to influence changes in where investments are being made, uh, including an emphasis on you know, the inpatient space, you know, whether with infrastructure upgrades um, or repositioning of space to create some flexibility and adaptability where we can flex along acute levels and be better prepared for infectious diseases should another pandemic occur, which you know, we, we know that that is can be part of the future or simply to coexist with with a, a, an infectious disease like COVID-19. And also really to flex with the changing needs of communities, you know, as our communities are aging, as our populations are diversifying and growing. Now this adaptability also extends into the ambulatory and outpatient settings where we expect continued investment, especially as systems are looking um, to continue segmenting their patient populations, you know, keeping some of the higher acuity care or the sickest of the sick in hospitals so that they could create safer environments to deliver um, outpatient care, such as certain ambulatory surgeries or other procedures that can occur in these outpatient settings. So one, you know, one, one last comment just to, just to add to that, because um, I think earlier, Brian, you might have asked, you know, when, when we might have done the study or, or how did this take place. So, so we did this study as part of the ASHI conference that took place, I think it was early fall of last year. So I think we have to take into consideration that, you know, the study was performed before uh, the new variant, Omicron, and before the winter surge. And so it won't be surprising, you know, if some of those capital plans weren't set yet, it won't be surprising if we see some of the initially planned investments pause as we continue to ride through these waves. Yeah, interesting. And one of the things that 
sort of jumped out at me was the importance of taking care of the caregivers as well. We all know that the uh, healthcare workers have, have been uh, just heroic and what they do. And at the same time, it's a stressful job, obviously. And uh, can you talk a little bit about some of the uh, how a future designs might uh, address the, uh, the needs of the health caregiver um, in terms of whatever it is, respite space or whatever they need? Can you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. And, and Brian, I think you, you touched on it. You know, our, our, our healthcare workers, especially frontline workers, and even back office workers that are supporting what's happening on the front line are, are really, you know, they, they, heroic efforts is, is the right words. And so, you know, I, I just want to pause, extend my gratitude for what our healthcare industry is tackling today. Um, in, in terms of our, our study and, and, you know, what, what some of our healthcare customers and some of the healthcare leaders um, are, are talking about and where they're focused on. Yeah, safety, safety is number one. It received one of the highest ratings in our study, followed by respite and wellness spaces. And as part of safety, you know, first and foremost, that was and is ensuring proper ventilation, air quality, uh, pressure. This has been given a priority in learning during the pandemic, um, along with having convenient access to the tools that they need to perform care, like PPE. Considerations for respite spaces is, is also a priority, or I should say, is also a topic that um, our healthcare customers and healthcare leaders um, continue to co contemplate. And this, this could be incorporated as part of you know, the design of, of, of the facility moving um, into the future. But even, even despite that, you know, I, I should pause and say that you know, some of these trends that we're talking about in terms of wellness spaces, in terms of respite, flexibility. These, these have been trends that were occurring pre-pandemic, especially as the care delivery model continues to change and continues to evolve as new technologies continue to arise. And so what, what we're seeing in terms of design approaches um, can range anywhere from you know, design approaches that are, are truly done to facilitate that care delivery process. It might mean minimizing as an example, the number of steps between provider and staff and patients so that you could drive a more efficient uh, care delivery process so that you could drive quality in that patient care um, experience. It could also include simply you know, incorporating you know, respite spaces or, or bringing in um, design elements that really, you know, today's worker, you know, we talk about sometimes the corporate setting where today's worker you know, wants that natural light, you know, for a long time, they have enjoyed those collaborative spaces. We'll see how that translates <laughs> into the future. Um, but, but some of those, you know, amenities um, that we see typically in the corporate space, you know, coming into the healthcare arena. And as it re relates to wellness, you know, some systems are also integrating wellness strategies. So, you know, maybe they're wellness facilities um, that they offer to the community, not just as a way to manage their patients health upstream so that you could help maintain a, a healthier community, but also as an amenity to their amenity to their providers and staff. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of different layers to this. And, um, you know, again, it's a fascinating report that you uh, put together here. What kind of, uh, how many responses did you get? Do you know offhand? Um, so That's, 
That's a great question. <laughs> you know, I might have to come back to you on that number. You know, I, so we rolled the the survey out as part of the ASHI conference, mm-hmm. um, and, and drove. Gosh, I think we even extended kind of a responsive period afterwards. But we could certainly circle back with with kind of the number of respondents that that came back to us. Okay. And just from a cost standpoint, how much can a healthcare provider um, expect to spend on some of these improvements? I would imagine there's quite a range that they could do from maybe some relatively small things to full-blown renovations or even new construction. Um, what's, what's your, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so I'll answer that maybe in a couple of ways. So first, you know, some, some of the design approaches that, that um, were being implemented by some health systems pre-pandemic really, really didn't see any, any significant cost increase in, in, um, in overall, I would say, project delivery. You know, part of something to consider as you're thinking about, well, what should we incorporate as it relates to maybe a respite space or a wellness space? Or, you know, what, what type of clinical layout should we um, apply to our clinical setting as an example. You know, some of it really is is driven by um, just the, the the size of the support spaces and you know, some of the sizes of those of those respite, respite spaces. Um, having said that, you know, we are in a very dynamic environment right now. Um, you know, we we hear you know continuously that our healthcare industry is being challenged by um, you know supply chain issues. And, and we are also hearing that across other industries as well, including our own. And so, you know, these 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 cost fluctuations really is 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 a you know a consideration of you know what what is the appropriate you know space configuration where the appropriate you know amenities um, a healthcare system or provider should bring you know to their to their system. And can you mention any specific projects you're working on? That where some of these trends might be reflected. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, we have, I would say, you know, three customers where, you know, both free and kind of during the pandemic, um, where you know some of these trends are already taking place. You know, the first, of course, is in our backyard um, with Alina, uh, Alina's Abbott Northwestern um, neural um, build out. It's a it's a forty three thousand square foot neuroscience unit that use some modular wall systems for both their inpatient and, and IC, ICU rooms really to provide that future flexibility in the healthcare setting. And this project also included what we talked about earlier, which was you know, those break rooms that were located on the exterior wall so that you could have some of that increased daylight, as well as integrating spaces that would promote you know, well-being among the providers and staff, you know, as well as a design that was um, uh, that increase the efficiencies between, you know, the care team to interact. Um, another project where we're seeing some of these trends is with Providence Health, and Providence Health is a, a $25 billion health system across um, uh, several states um, in the U.S. Uh, this is for their 105,000 square foot integrated health and wellness uh, outpatient facility in Hillsborough, Oregon, and we started this project at the onset of the pandemic. So. This gave our team an opportunity to work with Providence to evaluate, you know, what potential changes should we be incorporating um, in this project. Now, Providence is a system that continues to advance innovation in its facilities, 
you know, they were already on a journey towards, you know, flexibility. And so to adapt, um, really so that they could adapt to that ever-changing healthcare landscape. And so this project was designed um, for both provider and staff engagement, as well as the patient experience in mind with some collaborative work um, places to pro promote that engagement both internally and with the local community, uh, as well as improve respite spaces. Again, bringing in some of that daylight along those, those exterior walls and increasing some of that natural light into the facility. And the last project I just want to touch on is Aurora's um, Mount Pleasant Medical Center, which is a almost 300,000 square foot healthcare complement, uh, complex. And as both the medical center and an adjacent medical office with in and outpatient care um, at that site. And some of the um, improvements in, these, in this complex includes, again, those, those collaborative spaces for, that are designed with flexibility in mind, movable furniture solutions, um, improved ergonomics in, in the respite and break rooms, and of course, places for provider and staff to touch down. And, and if anything, um, some of our healthcare customers like um, uh, Advocate Aurora, like Providence, you know, have also rededicated exam rooms or kind of reconfigured exam rooms um, in a way that was flexible to um, accommodate some increased telehealth services as well. Hmm. Great stuff there. Any, any other uh, takeaways from the report? Any, anything else you'd like to touch on? Uh, I'd certainly you know, encourage people to read the whole report, obviously, for themselves. And um, But what, what are your parting thoughts? Well, my, my parting thoughts to, you know, I guess I, to our listeners out there is as, as they're kind of thinking about, you know, healthcare, care delivery in the industry, you know, we're, we're in a place of, of, of transformation, you know, right now. I think we, we saw how the healthcare industry was able to quickly mobilize to address um, the impacts of the pandemic. And so we're in a place of transformation that's going to you know, continue to further integrate technology. It's going to continue further uh, challenge us to think of ways where we can deliver healthcare in settings that are the right care in the right place at the right time. And so, you know, as we're moving forward and uh, into our, our new normal with this pandemic and hopefully, hopefully one not as, 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 as great, <laughs> you know, what, what will that future of healthcare look like? Let's, let's remain nimble and let's walk alongside our healthcare partners and customers. Great. Well, that's great insight. And again, if, if anyone's interested in reading the full report, uh, can they just go to Martinson's website or where do they get a copy of that? Absolutely. They can go to martinson.com um, and access, uh, access the report on our healthcare page. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chantilly. I really appreciate your uh, time and uh, it was a, a interesting and uh, fascinating conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you so much again for the opportunity. Thank you and take care. You too. Bye.